Welcome to Blue Collar Love. My name is Samuel. It's been coming for a long time. Some heads are going to roll. So who's your daddy? And I'm Aaron. I'm in the, I'm just lost in the scenery. Scratch some names on trees. And we have with us the coolest guy on Tooth and Nail Records and so much more. Ronnie Martin. Thank you again, Ronnie, for joining us. Guys, thanks for having me. I'm I'm grateful. <laughs> All right. So, um, for those who have been keeping up with what we're doing, last we talked, we were in 2003. Now we're going to be uh, traveling a bit to the future. 2007, the Brothers Martin. Um, we had Ronnie called us up and was like, "Hey." I'm free to talk to you guys. And we're like, well, we got to do the Brothers Martin if we're going to talk to Ronnie Martin. It just kind of has to happen. So that's where we're at. Um, 2007 project. We have, of course, um, Jason on vocals, guitar, bass, whatever whatever other stringed instrument he plays. Um, Ronnie Martin on all the electronic things that have keys. And I was surprised to see Alex Albert on drums um he happens to play in project 86 so i am super stoked about this to get us started aaron what is your memories relationship with this album and steven dowell also plays on this too as well um oh i missed that credit yeah um my initial impression so it's 2007 so at this point i'm full on everything brothers martin <laughs> so anything joy electric starfire was putting out you know, I was just buying the She's the Queen EP, obviously, had some Joy Electric remixes, and that was pretty much at this point. Oh, yeah, and then the Bon Voyage, where Ronnie played some sense on that. So at this point, there was no collaboration um, outside of remixes between them. And I don't remember how I heard about this album when it came out or heard about it. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely getting this. So whenever it was released in 2007, I had it that day. Um, there was no way I was not going to get it. <laughs> two of my favorite musicians ever collaborating and so since then i've been listening to it i love uh, i'm not going to spoil my review but yeah so i've been listening to it faithfully for about 14 years now and always wanted to follow up never got it um but i you know it's a very well put together crafted album that i listen to pretty regularly very nice um so as you guys know, um, I have a minimal experience with either Joy Electric or, or Starfire 59 growing up. I'm, you know, just hits and misses, bits and pieces. This album was the album probably sometime around, I'm trying to think, 2015, probably, 2015-ish. This is the album that convinced me I should like both Starfire 59 and Joy Electric. Awesome. Um, I... I dabbled in both and was like, eh, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not buying it, not feeling it. I listened to this album and I'm like, okay, I'm sold um, forever. These, these brothers are now conjoined in my mind and they're both brilliant. And yes, 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 yes. That's my history with this album. Now let's go to the far more interesting history Ronnie, what are your overall memories, thoughts, feelings on this album before we kind of get into the song by song review? 
Yeah, um, gosh, I, I I think we talked a little bit about this on the last uh, on the last episode, but yeah, it was it was it was a record that was a long time coming. Uh, the label had been asking us to do it for a while, um, and we just just didn't. You know, it was it was one of those things, and um, we'd had a lot of the fans you know, asking us, hey, would you guys ever get back together, kind of join your two sounds together and, you know, collaborate. And, and we, you know, I, I don't think we were ever opposed to it. It was just, it's, it's really interesting when you're, when you were, when you're as enmeshed in the, in the prod, in your own personal projects as we were in each of our projects. Um, a lot of it is just a matter of timing and, um, you know, those types of things and life, you know, we're both, you know, married with kids and, you know, um, playing a lot of shows. And I, I mean, I was, I don't, I don't think Jason was playing much at that point, but I was still playing pretty regularly. I was out on the road pretty regularly. And so it was just one of those things where it was a timing issue. So I remember when we finally kind of talked it out and, you know, the, the label had, you know, served up a contract and, um, and we started thinking seriously about what it was going to be about. I was, I was, I was excited about it. I liked the songs that I had for it. Um, I liked the songs that Jason had for it. So I thought, okay, I, we have the songs um, because I certainly didn't want it to be something where you were getting a bunch of, you know, Ronnie and Jason B sides. And um, I wanted, I wanted these songs to be at least, you know, as good as anything you would have heard on our, on our respective projects, you know. And I think, I think they are. And, um, so uh, yeah, and it, and it came together really easy and it was not, it was a, it was a project that we didn't labor over, which at that particular time we were doing a lot of other things and that, that was a good thing. And, uh, yeah, so I just remember the process being um, pretty pain-free and we were both super thankful for that. Rock on. Well, um, if there's no other comments or questions from either one of you guys, I think we'll get started with uh, song number one here. Cool. Communication. Who wants to go first? Um, I think uh, I will open this one up. All right. Go to Sam. For the fun of it. All right. Communication. Um, so my first, I'm a, I'm a big lyric guy, which, um, <laughs> made your comment earlier in our interview about you like cryptic lyrics that can't be understood. That was the bane of my existence. Um, and still is sometimes <laughs> growing up because I like decrypting lyrics. I like being able to look at them and be like, I know what this is about. Mm. <laughs> so we get this opening track communication, which ironically enough is all about communication and what I can gather uh, how a lack of communication between people can really hurt relationships and cause things to go sour and go south. Um, so I, I love that it's kind of obscure lyrics and a song about how lack of communication kills. Um, what's immediately more apparent about this track is the music. Um, it's either the new most new wave Starflyer track or the rockiest Joy Electric track I've ever heard. Um, and I really like what you told us earlier that this is the one that was like the true collaboration because I actually kind of thought that when I was reviewing this. I was like, you know, communication really sounds like the one that's the most fluid 
um, kind of connection between the two sounds. So great opener. Thank you. Albums. Um, so yeah, so I have I have this on vinyl and CD, and yes, it lists. This is the only song, and I remember getting CD with the first one says, um, you know, it's communication. The Brothers Martin. So it's like that someone's like, okay, these two guys wrote it. Okay, so right away the opening drums and guitar, and the first second just you hit play or you drop the needle on that opening drums and guitar, and I was like, yes. And then three seconds in those. Keyboards or moves, I'm sure, whatever synthesizers in the background kick in. I'm like, oh my god, this is so good. And then at the 15 second mark, the song catches it gro- its groove. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna love this album. <laughs> I was like, this sounds like the perfect blending of Joy Electric and Star 559. It's like, it, in my mind, if this is gonna be in my wildest of dreams of what if you put these two bands together, it's gonna sound like. And it is. The drums remind me of. The, the future album Dowlin, which would come later, which is weird because um, according to the album, Ronnie did all the drum programming on this album. So I don't know, maybe Jason just ripped his brother off. <laughs> um, bands like Depeche Mode are like, um, are ro- aren't rocky enough for me. Like I like Depeche Mode, like, I wish it was more rock. And then bands like Starfire 59, I'm like, I wish they were more electronica influenced. <laughs> And they're not. And this song in my mind is what my favorite rock group would sound like. It's mm. like I could if I could put like the perfect rock band together, this is what it would sound like. I'm just like losing my mind. I remember the first time I heard this, I was like losing it. Um lyrically, like Sam mentioned, it talks about to me it's like a the uh, the death of a relationship. Um, because communication between the people has have broken down. Um five stars, perfect song. And it's my second favorite song on this album. And it's a five star. So, yeah, so great start to this album. What are your thoughts on this, Ronnie? Well, man, you guys are being really kind. So thanks for um, and thanks for all those kind words. Um, You know, uh, communication. Yeah, you guys, we I think we talked about it last time. It was a true collaboration. Jason had already had some of these backing tracks. Um, and he showed me the song. It, what he had written, no lyrics, no. It was just an instrumental, some instrumental tracks that he had. Um, it was a demo that he had done. And um, he said, "What do you think about that?" I said, "I like it." I go, I, "I think we have an opportunity with that particular track to do something together." And um, it was a short song. And we have a thing. We like short songs. I like long songs too. But we. We, uh, you know, we listened to the Smiths growing up and their songs are all like two and a half minutes. So we always have a thing for short songs. And um, and I loved how the song was just it just got right to the point. Um, It was very brief. Um, I don't there's not really much of a bridge to it. There's just kind of a build in the middle and then it goes right back into the chorus. And um, so I liked the simplicity of it. And so I I grabbed it from him and um, I took it into my studio and I. I wrote, you know, I wrote the vocal melody and some lyrics and um, it had a different title originally that wasn't working. And um, and I can't I would I would be glad to tell you guys what that was. I literally can't remember, but we ended up changing it to communication. So I was singing something different where I say the words communication and it just wasn't quite fitting. And I came back and we redid it just the chorus and i said why don't why don't i have something better 
And so that it ended up being called communication. And I think I think the title is just a testament to, you know, really um, in a large way, it was the reason why we were able to do a record together again after so many years is really it comes down to it's like all good relationships. You know, what undergirds a good relationship is communication. And so we were able to finally just talk it out as, you know, as older dudes and say, hey, let's do this thing and let's figure out how we can make it work. And we did, and it worked. And um, so the song kind of is a, it's kind of a capstone for the whole record, I think, if you want to look at it in that sense. But um, yeah, I really nice. enjoyed the song a lot. It was a, it was a favorite of mine. I liked people being able to hear my voice on something rocky because, you know, they really hadn't. And then, um, you know, f- to be able to add the electronics in with it and give it kind of that sound, it was re- like you just said, um, Aaron, I think it was, it was a good blend of both the sounds for sure. And it's funny because I thought that the the cryptic lyrics, I was like, that's a Jason lyric, but it's you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right. Well, I'll move on and do the, start off the second song, The Harsh Effect of Time, which on Spotify is labeled The Harsh Effect. I don't know why Spotify is adding you, Ronnie. Get your lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> um, the intro to this song reminds me a lot of the Ministry of Archers album that uh 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 like that beginning. I it just makes you think of that. Um I love the line kept apart not by distance. Um and the song talks about the bad things in life that really grind us down and and the that line points to the fact that the most devastating and most difficult thing that we can deal with are broken relationships. Pride, hurt, fear, those things often keep us a apart from the ones we love than miles or oceans. And I like that this song reflects on that. Um, this song sounds like it could be on the Breakfast Club movie soundtrack. Mm. Be played on the radio today, you know, on a radio station that plays Daft Punk M83 or any electronic um, artists like that. It's like, I mean, it really has like a timeless quality to it. Like, it's like, is this one, I mean, is this the 80s, 90s? Like right now, like it, I really like that. Um, um, Let's see, the synths in the drum program. The outro is sick too. I effing love it so much. Um, four stars. Four stars, my fourth favorite song in this album. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go next? I think we'll have Ronnie go next. And if I may ask a um, humble request, I totally thought that was Jason singing on communication. So apparently I can't tell your voices at really? all. Um, oh so God, would you mind this, just telling me who sings on each track as you're oh, telling us about these? Ronnie, this one. <laughs> Go ahead, Ronnie. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, our voices are, you know, I, if you get us in the, if you get us in a certain range, they they sound similar. Jason actually has a little bit of a better voice than I do um, overall, though. But um, uh yeah, that I just happened to sing the vocal on it because he had written the music for it, and so it, we didn't we didn't really give it too much thought, to be quite honest. It just sort of happened that way. But um, yeah, the harsh effects of time that was um, that that's definitely a favorite of mine, just in general. Um, you know, in terms of all of my songwriting, I really I like that song a lot. Um, there, the authenticity side of it, it, it really it really is like an '80s soundtrack. We were using the drum sounds I was using on it were from this old digital drum machine called a Lindrum 
which is kind of the classic drum machine sound from the early 80s that a lot of those groups used. Yeah. Used a lot. <laughs> yeah, used a ton. And so it's yeah. it's so it was used on that song and um and just um yeah, just kind of the arpeggiated effects, but we didn't um my whole thing at the time was not making it too layered, keeping it kind of minimal and stripped down. And so um and so I I think yeah, I I like um yeah, I would I would say it's um I, I would say it's definitely a favorite for me uh on the record. I like the chorus on it. And um it was just it was at a time where, you know, what was this, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I was writing a lot of songs and I was really I felt like I I was really I had a lot of ideas at the time and you just hit different periods in, in your songwriting life if you're a songwriter where you just feel like everything you write you like. And you've just kind of you're you're kind of firing on all cylinders. And I felt like this was a a time when I was firing on all cylinders and uh, harsh effects. And then we'll talk about this in a minute. But fears to remember, um, they were just both songs that just they were they were effortless for me to write. I wrote them within, you know, four or five minutes. And I think I probably wrote them on the same day and they just came to me. And it was that's the best kind of songwriting. So I remember harsh effects was one of those things where I'm sitting down at the piano and I just started playing it and it just happened. And um, I'm like, okay, I think this will work, you know, for the, for the record. And um, so I, I really, I, I like it. I like the way it turned out. I remember when we were mixing it, it was really difficult to mix, but I think Jason's guitar line on it is great. And it kind of brings us back to this, you know, really new order being probably our favorite band collectively. And so he has this very new order influence guitar line on it. And um, I, which I thought just turned out really great. It was a great line. He wrote that for it and it kind of brought the song together. And so, yeah, I lo love it. It's definitely a favorite of mine. This song is great. Very I don't nice. have a lot to say to remember, but go ahead, Sam, about harsh effects. All right. Uh, I love the blippity bloop intro. Um, I'm a big fan of analog electronicus effects. Um, and I, this album, I feel like, accomplishes um, at least what Starflyer albums have always kind of struggled with for me. And don't get me wrong, um, there's definitely some earworms throughout the catalog up through 2003. But this sounds so friggin' earwormy. And sounds like, like you guys have been saying, something I'm going to hear um, in a new wave mix. And I, I love the... Um, the lyrical themes seem to be continuing the, um, you know, how relationships can be eroded. Um, this time, instead of communication being what erodes relationships, it's um, time itself can erode um, and how being away from someone from by a distance can erode those relationships. So great follow up. And um, yeah. Ronnie, why don't you lead us off with the missionary? Oh man, um, so I'm not going to remember a lot of the lyrics that you can with that you guys are are checking here. So you'll have to kind of go slow with me on 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 the lyrical side of it because I don't I don't remember a lot of them. But um, and we never played this record live, you know. So they they we didn't have a long history with it for it to kind of you know kind of build in my collective consciousness, you know. Um, the missionary, I remember that that really is Jason. I believe saying I want to write a I want to write like a Depeche Mode record, 
And um, I think that's his, that is his, um, I don't want to say attempt because that sounds like I'm degrading it. I'm not, but I, it, it definitely was his attempt at sort of writing a, a Depeche Mode influenced song. And I, I think, um, I think he did a good job with it. It's, uh, it's uh, that bass line was kind of something that you would have heard on Violator, which was, you know, De- Depeche Mode's kind of big record and um, which was a big influence on both Jason and I, for sure. And uh, so, yeah, I think that um, I think out of all the songs on the record, um, that one that one sounds probably a little more like it's it's kind of doing its own thing. There's probably not a lot of continuity, I think, with some of the other songs compared with that. And I, I don't say that in a negative way at all. I actually say that in a positive way. It kind of really sticks out. Um, it's kind of the only song on the record that sounds the way it does. And um, yeah, so a good a good third track, I think, for sure. It kind of kept you, I think when you start with communication, then you get to harsh effects and you get to the missionary at that point. Um, if it's your first go around with the record, you really don't, you're really not sure what the rest of the record is going to sound like, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I, I like what you said about the missionary kind of standing on its own because um, this sounds like if Tooth, I don't know if Tooth and Nail released any singles from this album, but Missionary sounds like it would be a single. Mm. And I'm curious if you know anything about this or if you guys ever saw like any residual income from this. Uh, Missionary actually appeared in the TV series Chuck. Mm. Yeah, right. Really? Yep, it's, um, you can like look up the whole entire scene on YouTube. It's like in the last two minutes of the first episode, this song appears. Man, I don't know if I love you guys enough to watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the first episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, try, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think the plot that weaves got some got some airplay on a, on another another program too. I don't remember, but yeah. So it was kind of, it was, uh, it was, it was neat. Yeah. Nice. Um, the, the lyrics get really cryptic here, including my, this was where my opening lyric came from. Um, it's been comforting. It's been coming for a long time and some heads are going to roll. So who's your daddy? Um, maybe up there in the most cryptic, uh, Martin lyrics I've ever heard on either side of the pond. Um, but from what I can gather seems to be about, uh, how it's easy to say you care about others, for example, maybe a missionary and then do absolutely nothing. Um, because it's really easy to say, I care about that and then live a comfortable middle-class life. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys were going for that or not, but I like that as a message and especially in the, uh, kind of youth group kid culture of the mid two thousands was something that definitely needed to be said. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love the heavy tone and the guitars and drum on this song. Um, it has a strong black Sabbath sound to it. I put the song on my quote, neat motivation to do stuff unquote playlist. Um, the stems in the background doing the course are my highlight here. Um, the vocoder, um, vocals at the end, nice touch. Um, he does that again on the talking voice versus singing voice. I wish there was more of vocoder lyrics. Jason, listen, <laughs> I really dig him. I believe that what Jason is talking about or televangel. I took 
it was like he's talking about televangelists, you know, mm-hmm. and it's in the line. Um, he's talking about televangelists and not in a positive way at all. <laughs> the um, the line life's long when you have it all. I mean, that's a weighty lyric, um, and they usually do. I'm not going to name any names here, but you guys know what we're talking about. And so I think what you were saying too, Sam, it's like it's so easy to say and espouse these things when you have this cushy life and you're trying to be a missionary, but you're not really doing anything to help the people who are suffering. Um, And again, not sure that's what you guys are going for because art, you know, people interpret art differently, but that's how I took it. Um, overall, it's a three and a half star song, six favorite song. And I'm going to say this. Okay, I should have said this again. There's no bad songs on this album. I like ranking things. That's what I do. I love listing things and everything. So that's what I do. So I love every song up here. But one song's got to be number six, and this one's it. <laughs> oh, man, you would have to. Uh, I wasn't sure what Jason was going with lyrically on this one. We did. We didn't talk. We had not. We did not have one conversation with each other during the making of the record about the lyrics. So um, I don't know what he was going on about with the missionary, but I probably should ask him one of these days. So he might not know either. He, 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 he's he might, cryptic of lyrics. He may not know, but I, <laughs> but, it, but I think, um, you know, I, it does sound like he was uh, that one sound it was cryptic, but sounds like he was he was going after something with that specifically. So I, I wonder if it's, uh, at least in his own head, it, it might be clear, you know? Who knows? Yeah. The world may never know. May, maybe not. All right. Let's let's uh, let's move on to the next one. And this is the one that I listened to this album right before we started recording. And this has been the one that's been looping in my head pretty much our whole entire conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> the deaf will hear. <laughs> um, so my first thoughts on this track, this is a Joy Electric track with live drums, mm. I think. Mm. Um, I really love it, though. It's a uh, it's just that that sound works really well. And I feel a bit lost in lyrics. Um, my my best guess I have here is music critics who uh, do more harm than good. Um, just by rather than trying to find anything good, um, they just kind of tear artists apart and, you know, um, have nothing positive to say whatsoever. And that can really do more harm for the listeners and the artists than any kind of good. Um, and man, that baseline, it is killer. I don't know if that's a live bass or not, but I love it. Aaron, what do you got? Yeah. All right. Um, I'm thinking that's bass programming that you're talking about, but hopefully Ronnie will clear that up. Um, Spotify um, edits. Ronnie here again. This song's called Death Will Hear on Spotify. Get your lawyers, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> we get cryptic rhyming lyrics on this track so all right in my mind so there's whimsical rhyming angry rhyming emo rhyming and cryptic rhyming lyrics <laughs> and so we get cryptic here um i love the opening drums here um with that little hi-hat effect the doom, 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 at the beginning and throughout i love that the synth line at the 14 second mark reminds me of the 
Joy Electric, We Are the Music Makers, Aaron. Very spooky. Love it. This song is why I almost exclusively listen to Joy Electric and Starfire songs and headphones because there's so much going on. Like you mentioned earlier, um, Sam, about earworms on this on this album. And you're right. And this is why, especially on this album, too, I always listen to on headphones, whether it's vinyl, streaming, CD, whatever. Um, there's so much going on in the mix, and I love it. Um, I don't know why, but this song reminds me of the, um, the, the actual song, Ministry of Archers. I don't know, but it really does. Um, I love it. Four stars. And it's my fifth favorite song on this album. I listen to it on repeat. Mm. Ronnie, enlighten us. Oh, man. Thanks for the kind words on that one. That, you know, I, I actually, I, I believe I remember more about this song than any of the other songs. Um, yes on the record to be quite honest um so one of my favorite records of all time probably my top five favorite records is a record by tears for fears called the hurting it was their first album and um i've been massively influenced by that record my you know my whole life and um i i really was kind of aiming for something like that um just uh kind of like a that that big repetitive chorus, which really is more like the song Shout from Tears for Fears. And that was kind of the vibe with the beginning, sort of that chanting kind of that. So the, so Sam, the effect was that it's supposed to get stuck in your head and never get out. And it, that, that, that's good if you're the songwriter, bad if you're the hero, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do remember that. And um, I think lyrically it was, uh, I think you were, uh, I, th I think you guys are both onto something with it. It was really, it was really more about um, uh, people that are, tr you know, pretending to be something they're not. And when you when you try to when you know when you try to expose that or when you try to talk to somebody and they lack a sense of genuineness and they just they can't hear it, they refuse to hear it. And so. Um, we've all been in those situations where people think something about somebody that you know better than they do that's untrue because they just sort of put on a front. But then when you try to confront them about it, they, they don't have ears to hear it. And so um, that that's what that was about. Um, who that was specifically about, I'm not really sure, um, but it was probably a real life instance that I drew it from. Um, but I, it was definitely, um, it was one of those songs, I went into the record, um, I, that was that may have been one of my favorite songs as we were starting the record. And then I think I think for whatever reason, it's not one that I really give a lot of uh, um, time to in, internally when I listen to the record. I, I don't I don't enjoy it as much. I definitely like some of the other songs a little bit better. I, I, I do. I enjoy it. I'm glad it's on there. But for me, um, it may have been the production or something that didn't turn out the way I, I had anticipated. But um, yeah, I'm, it's this is the most I've probably ever talked about that song uh, with anybody. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for bringing it back to mind because it's not something that sticks out too much to me, even though I I still like it as a song. If that makes sense, it does, and it, it does deserve to be talked about. And I will start us off with the next song, the plot that weaves. Um, this song's a banger from the start. Mm -hmm. I'm banging my head and dancing. This is what music is supposed to do. This is one of those Jason Trance songs that I talk about. Like, I drive a lot, all done wrong, no new kind of story. Mm. Um, 
um, when this song comes on, in my mind, I'm taking somewhere. It's like a mournful but hopeful place. It's beautiful at the same time. It's like, you know, it's like, it's a safe place where like I can like process things, but I'm happy and dancing, although there's like this weight on me. It's a weird, I don't even know if there's a word for it, but I love <laughs> it. Um, when I've listened to this song, it's like three minutes where I'm just, I just get possessed. I listened to this song yesterday, probably for like an hour. <laughs> I dance, um, I dance to the song without, I have no rhythm at all. I don't care. I dance like no one's watching. I don't care who's around. Song's the perfect drug. I could break down the lyrics of this music, but I don't care. Um, I'll yield my time to Sam and Ronnie, because um, all I'm going to say is that um, that at the 3 minute 13 second mark, when those synths come in, Ronnie's playing it, and, and Jason's playing um, this guitar line, it's sublime, ridiculously good. Superb song. And outside of Star 559, this is my favorite Jason song that he's mm. written any project. Five stars. And it's my favorite song on this album. Very nice. Um, I'll go ahead and hand this one over to you, Ronnie. Um, tell us about the plot that weaves. Yeah, you know, um, it's my favorite Jason song on the record, um, for sure. Um, I think, Aaron, you, you described it really. I think I'd never heard... I'd never heard anybody describe some of Jason's songs as being sort of trancey in, in the sense that they're euphoric in the way that sort of trance is as a genre. Um, but I think they are. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think that's a great way to describe it. And, I, I, you know, this is this is definitely Jason at his most like New Order influenced um, for sure. And um, I remember I don't I don't think Jason particularly enjoyed this song. Um, this was one of those songs that what? we, I, well, I think it was, you know, it's interesting because we, given the bands that influence us, you know, um, songs can start to be a, a kind of samey. They sound the same after a while. Jason, I remember him saying to me, gosh, I've written this song about 50 times, you know? And so I think for him, it wasn't something that he was particularly drawn to, you know, as something that he wrote. But I thought that it, um, I really, I love the pacing of it. Um, and it was one of those songs, Aaron, I think you described it really well, given the songs you compared it to that Jason had, had written in the past. And there's, um, there's something, um, there's something incredibly heart, there was, there's a line in the song that I think is incredibly heartfelt for Jason. Um, it's very emotional at the end of the chorus when he says, for you to believe in me. It's a very like vulnerable moment, I feel like, for Jason in his songwriting. And um, and I think the song is very vulnerable. And so um, I was really struck by it. I really loved it. I enjoyed it a lot. I still enjoy it. It's definitely, I would say it's in my top, probably my top two favorite song. I would say it's my, I would say this song and Fears to Remember are probably my two favorite songs on the album. Um, and uh, we'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about fears to remember here in a minute, obviously. But yeah, I think it's I just think it's a great moment for him in that it's very emotional, it's very vulnerable, and that line um, is very um, it's a very uh, for you to believe in me. I, I just I love the line. I love the I love the sense of um, just transparency and vulnerability that it evokes, and um, just a great song. I think one of my favorite Jason songs. Um, for sure. I think my, I think my favorite Jason song of, 
of all time is Give Up the War off of Leave Here a Stranger. Just a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful sad, yeah. heartfelt, vulnerable song. But this kind of is like that. It's different pacing. It's, you know, definitely it's dancey and it's full of energy and life, but it's very melancholy at the same time. So, um, yeah, great song. It's funny. It's funny you should say that because when when I get in that, because sometimes I, I'm like, Aaron, calm down. I'm gonna actually listen to the song. But when I get in that trancey, like possessed mode, the only line I hear is for you to believe in me. And then those synths come in. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And then I'm just taken back into the headspace. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you go. I like that you mentioned the lyrics because that's the first thing that hits me. Um, as I said before, I'm a big lyric guy, and man, these lyrics hit me right in the right in my chest because um, I'm a big introvert. I, I like spending my time alone, but at the same time, I realize and um, that I need people, and so this song, um, you know, my life, I mean, other people's lives, because it's important for me to remember that other people. They're more than just a plot for my amusement, and I'm more than just a, a plot for their amusement. At the end of the day, we need human interaction and human support to really get through. And uh, man, if this last year hasn't taught us all that, I don't know what I ever will. So mm. this, th- those lyrics, um, I like something that Terry Taylor said, how uh, Jason can write like one line, and that one line will say what other artists take five lines to say i feel like this song nails that on the head um and that beautiful piano melody um pop sensibility um one thing that i think you and jason really excel at is taking a pop song and making it sound super underground and indie like Mm. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, that pop sensibility still just shines through. And this is one of the songs that I'm glad it does. I'm so glad um, for the subject matter alone, but mm. also as a closer to side A, it just works for me. Mm. Good thoughts. All right. Well, let's go ahead and kick off. We're going to that vinyl um, and flip it over. Take that vinyl. <laughs> Flip it. Yes. Drop that needle. Um, now, Ronnie, you said this may be your favorite song. So let's hear you talk about it. Fears to remember. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the plot that we use in Fears to Remember, I think, are the, to me, they're the highlights of the, of the record. Um, so Fears to Remember, again, is one of those, it's my favorite kind of song that I write where you have a, you know, you have a catchy little lead riff and uh, you know, catchy chorus, but it's very mournful. It's very sad, where at the same time you have this very kind of, you know, um, very upbeat kind of, you know, rhythmic side to it. And that's always been my favorite kind of music. So sad, mournful melodies mixed with something that's supposed to make you dance. And again, that goes back to all of our roots and, in, in, you know, New Order and bands of that nature. But this was really like a, uh, this was really something that harkens back to like the first Madonna record. Um, so that, that, you know, using a Lindrum and analog synths and, uh, you know, kind of making something that would have been on the radio in, you know, 1981, 1982. And so that was really the, that was really kind of the feel I was going for. Um, I was, I was really thinking of get into the groove by Madonna 
when I was when I was, you know, producing it. And again, it was a song that was just written on the piano, very simply, very sad. So if you play it on the piano, very, very sad song that obviously didn't get translated as a ballad. Um, most of my songs are written as ballads, and then I just decide what to do with them in the moment. Um, but they're all written very slow and ballad-like. This was one of those songs. Um, and uh, I think, you know, lyrically, it was just, um, it's, you know, I'm a very nostalgic person. I struggle with that personally, just uh, looking in the past, uh, living in the past a little bit too much. God has given me a lot of growth in that. Um, but this was just something about um, nostalgia and just um, not being able to let go of some of those things from from the past that just continue to to haunt you a little bit. And uh, so so again, there's that there's that contrast, right? Because you got this very upbeat, you know, very like sort of early '80s influenced dance track mixed with this, you know, these very sad and mournful, uh, you know, melodies and lyrics. And I. I just liked the way it turned out. Very minimal. Um, wasn't very fussy. There wasn't a lot of production to it, and um, it's a. Uh, it's. It was just a good complement to Harsh Effects of Time, um, the two purely electronic tracks, you know, on the record for the most part. And um, I also like Jason's uh, his uh, his guitar his uh, guitar work on it. I thought really fit it well. So I really liked what he what he did with it. I think he kind of kind of brought some things out of it that made it better. So yeah, I, I just, I enjoy it a lot. It's probably that and the plot that we use, right? If I had to pick two songs to loop over on a desert island from the record, um, th those would probably be the two for me. All right, Sam, what are your thoughts? So um, I love that basically all my thoughts are what Ronnie just said. So I, I feel vindicated in my life. <laughs> Yes. Um, long live the 80s. You know, I love the contrast of the synth, pop, new wave with like lyrics um, about how we all make mistakes. And um, something I really took from this song is even though we all make mistakes and I'm, I'm like that too, Ronnie, I, I struggle really hard with um, wanting to go back in time and fix my mistakes rather than just trying to live the best life I can right now. Mm. Um, and the important thing for me to remember personally is I need to take those mistakes and not forget them, but learn from them and grow and move forward. Mm. And I just, uh, that sad, um, kind of message and like you said melody on top of this super danceable 80s pop song is beautiful i love that contrast um mm. i wish more artists did sad songs that sounded happy because just it hits just right that's my thoughts aaron i know i'm sorry okay so i'm ronnie i just want to let you know that um this is the first song spotify got right to remember oh, okay that's great yeah. yeah that's great and like sam said um you and your brother both do a good job of writing um you know you know the music would be happy but the lyrical content might be sad and vice versa and that contrast is great um love it um mm, thank you yeah um and i was just going to take a moment right now to say that Although you both have your own, you've established at this point, 2007, your own musical careers, 
that none of these songs sound like Starfire or Joy Electric mm. than you've done before. And that's hard to do because, mm. because, you know, you've, you have a way of doing things and you, you know, you can rest on your laurels, but you guys didn't do that. Um, mm. Appreciate that. Yeah. And so, um, and of course you have your musical influences, but you don't, you know, rest on them. You use them to try something new. Mm. Um, lyrically, the song to me is similar to the last song. Um, the plot that weaves, um, and the plot that weaves, the person is resigned to watching other people change and move on with their lives. Sad, <laughs> but that's what's happening there. Mm-hmm. But then the person fears to remember. They do, they do that um, as well, but the consequences is that, that that person is always afraid. They blame others for their actions. They fly off in fits of rage. And, you know, I was a, I was a pastor in my previous life, and now mm-hmm. I'm a um, outpatient therapist, and so I deal with people who do do this stuff all the time, and it's heartbreaking just seeing people just resign. They don't want to change, and they just they're fearful and just anxious and just in fits of rage. Mm. And so, this song lyrically is very personal to me, and has a special place in my heart. Um, when I was back in 2007, it wasn't, but you know, people grow and change, and I am where I am now. Mm. And, um, and we mentioned hip hop artists in the um, previous episode, but when we covered the She's the Queen um, EP, I believe I commented that if hip hop artists knew your music, they would sample the heck out of it. And this song, I could definitely see hip hop artists using because, like you said, it's kind of like a ballad, but it's kind of poppy still. Mm-hmm. And, and and you mentioned like they use um, they use Kraftwerk and other um, electronic artists, and I could see with the beats in the song that. Because I don't know if you've seen like there's the evolution in rap. There's like emo rap now. Like it's more emotional singing. It's more about relationships and stuff. And like this beat, I could see like a dozen of artists using this and sampling it. It's four and a half stars. It's my third favorite song on this album. So for me, it's plot that weaves communication and then fears to remember. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just an amazing. It's a beautiful song. I just, I mean, I really appreciate it a lot. Thank you for that. It's mm. a lot. That sounds so heavy to me. So opportunities. Who wants? <laughs> who wants to take that one? I guess I'll lead off for the sake of um, shaking up, shaking up everything a little bit. All right. So I feel like this song is the perfect follow-up song to "Fears to Remember." Um, lyrically at least, uh, while we don't want to forget our past mistakes, we also don't want to dwell on them so much and let us let it hold us back. It's like you were just saying, Aaron, sometimes people um, can get so swamped in their mistakes and not wanting to change that they refuse to move forward in life. And um, I've ran into people like that, and it it's really frustrating. It's especially frustrating when it's yourself. Um Yes. And, <laughs> yes. Um, and this song really it sounds like a standard Starfire song, especially when he started getting into um, the the 2000s, more indie rock and away from the shoegaze stuff. This sounds like that until you get these inclusions of the spooky woo. And... Um, I just I love that kind of um, what is it I'm thinking of the Twilight Zone slash X Files kind of yeah. 
unsettling nature to it because that feels so fitting to if you just let your past just haunt you it is unsettling and kind of does make its own horror movie so great great follow-up to fears to remember Mm. Uh, i'll i'll do opportunities next um i think that's a theremin sample at the beginning of the song is that right ronnie uh it wouldn't be a sample it would be uh it was a it was a uh, it was a theremin sound recreated on a on a Moog synth. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I love that intro. Um, the breakdown at two the two minute thirty second mark is stupid good. I love the message in the song too. If you fix the on mistakes or past opportunities in the past, it'll drag you down. So true, like you just mentioned, Sam. And then um, the lurk that I mentioned at the opening of this episode, the scenery scratch names on the trees. I love that line, like the imagery there. Um, the protagonist in the song has returned to the scene in his mind so many times that he has made a mental reminder of the names that he he or she perceives has wronged him. Um, I love that image, like somebody in their mind, like every time they come home from work and the kid starts crying and it's just like going in their mind, oh, I'm here because of blah, 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 and it just gets stuck there. Um, mm. It's a, I mean, it's a real image that, people are dealing with all the time um that said um not much the same uh, about this song i mean it's you know it's kind of like fits the fill of this album three stars my ninth favorite song in this album mm. how about you ronnie what do you think yeah this is one of those ones um that that gets a little lost on the record for me i think um i think uh you know, lyrically, I think it's a another vulnerable lyric for Jason. So I think it, lyrically, it's really good. Um, you know, I think I'm trying to remember some of the uh, some of the music, some of the what we did musically with it. Um, I think, um, yeah, I remember the theremin sound. I remember kind of you know getting. I was getting a lot of those kinds of sounds using a lot of the. I mean, I always have those kind of that kind of those 1950s. You know, kind of you know, female choral theremin kind of sounds. Those are always fun to get on the synth. And uh, so it was kind of, it was, it was fun to be able to use one, you know, a sound like that on the record, Um, probably on that and on harsh effects of time as well. But yeah, I don't remember too much about it. I remember the, the hook in the chorus when he, he says at your missed opportunities. And I know that that's uh, that's something that is, um, that's a that's a bit of a theme in Jason's life, and so I think this song really comes from his heart. Um, and but I don't it it sort of escapes me, you know the the recording of it, um, the process of it. I think it's probably because when we first had the record, we had it on CD and not vinyl, so it's kind of you're getting into the record now. You're getting into that the hard part of every record, right? Which is that seven, eight, nine kind of. You know, and on a 10 song record, you're getting into that no man's land of a recording where it's like, well, I don't want to put my best songs at seven, eight and nine because I'm afraid they're going to get buried and nobody's going to hear them. But at the same time, I don't want to just put filler. You don't like to think you're just filling. And I don't I don't think opportunities is necessarily a a filler track, but it's something that maybe unfortunately, given where we put it on the record, it got a little buried. And so I. I don't have a lot of uh, a lot of memory for it, but I but I do like that line, and I think it's it's very heartfelt, and um, I think it's a you know in that way it's a it's a standout for sure. But 
I guess that's why Jeff Clout loves EPs so much. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. We all do, by the way. They're it's there's so much simple. There's so much simpler to make. You four four songs. It's you know. Oh my gosh, it's so so easy. So much easier than putting together ten, twelve songs. You know for sure. So. All right. Well, I'll lead us off with the behavior explains. Spotify did it to you again, Ronnie. They put a U in behavior. I don't oh, know what <laughs> Yes, for real. <laughs> I love the industrial feel of this song. Um, and it contains my favorite use of the word Neanderthal at any time <laughs> in the history of mankind. <laughs> Forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, what? Okay, straightforward. I really do love it, though. Straightforward music, reminiscent of the songs on this album. It's it's a beautiful song. I love it. The at one minute forty five seconds, we the the bass program and the synths come to the foreground. It's great, and then the synths and guitars around two minute have this little call and response interplay. I love that. Then the song, you know, ends three and a half stars. I mean, it's a beautiful song. Um, my eighth favorite song in this album. Hmm. Ronnie, why don't you uh, tell us your thoughts on we're in that note. We're like dead center in the no man's land. Of behaviors <laughs> yeah. explain. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, man, I, I hate speaking for Jason. I'll speak for myself because I, I don't know what I don't know how he would rate this, you know, the record at all. But I think um I think Behavior Explains and Get the Money are the two No Man's Land songs on the record. I, I, by, I don't think they're bad songs by any means, but um, I, you know, I think uh, I think they're my two least favorite songs on the record for sure. Um, but um, I think lyrically, I was really it's a, it's a very pointed song. Um, it's really about somebody that um, is. Uh, is is really not seeing sort of uh you know some of the damage that they're causing due to their their unchanged behavior and so it's it's a little it's it's not incredibly cryptic uh in terms of lyric in terms of uh lyrics it's it's very straightforward and um you know it's funny for me um it, the chorus itself was a little bit different for me um where it was um you know, a lot of my choruses are, they're more hooky in the sense that I usually get, they're, they're not very wordy, you know, um, and this one was very wordy for me for a chorus. It was so, in that sense, I remember stretching myself a little bit to do a different kind of a chorus than I usually do. Um, I only want to tell you that it does no good when you look at yourself and see someone else, you know, so it's very wordy. Um, and so for me, it was a little bit different. Um, and at the same time, I don't enjoy it that much as a song for myself um so it's uh i think parts i do like the verses quite a bit um and i remember i remember thinking oh if it would if it would have just been the verses and i if i could get rid of the chorus i think i would like it so much more um so like the verses don't love the chorus and other than that i don't really remember much about it to be quite honest with you I do love the I, I love the vocals on the chorus, like the, like mm. like on a new part traditional, like the angry, like when you're like, I don't know if you're like angry, angry, but you're coming off as trying to be angry. Like mm. I like those vocals, and like that's like my favorite part of the song. Oh, that's cool. That's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. I um, so 
I, I kind of struggled when writing down my review, and I'll get into this on my final thoughts. I hate to be critical of music um, while an actual like creator of the music is on <laughs> is on the phone with me. That's okay. Uh, be, feel free, please. Um, this I feel like this is you know this and possibly the out al- the song before is where the album starts slumping for me a little bit. Mm. Um, I just when I listen to this album. I my I, I have my attention really focused for the first half and then the second half I just it kind of fades out and I stop paying attention so much mm. um, and just kind of slogs together a little bit in my mind. Um, you mean not the fierce to remember, right? <laughs> you probably um, like I said, it's just I I will often um, I usually only sit down and really focus on music when I'm reviewing anymore. So usually I'm listening to it while I'm reading something else or whatever, but. Either way, um, this song sounds like a perfect fusion of uh, Joy Electric and Starflyer, and I like that it feels so organic. Like, you can tell um, that you guys did not just um, do it halfways. You're like, you know what? Let's make this sound like an actual band and not just two projects thrown together. Mm. and that that part does work so well mm. and um i i like your um input on the lyrics a lot because um sometimes it is it's easy to call out others for having destructive behavior but forget to look at yourself <laughs> and um something i know i struggle with where it's so easy to get self-righteous and be like hey you are being a Neanderthal and then you kind of sometimes have to put the mirror up to yourself and be like, so am I. <laughs> and uh, I totally relate to that hard at times. You know, I appreciate that. And I think, um, you know, to your earlier point, you know, it's sort of the, um, to, to do a record the way we did this, you know, um, you know, something that was just, you know, a one-time only occurrence and, um, Gosh, you know, there at some point there's, you know, one of the I think one of the challenges of that is to, you know, do it in a way where there's some sense of continuity and cohesion to it. And then um, and then but but have it all kind of stand on its own. And I think when we get to I think I think you see that in the first side of the record, you know, really well. And um, and I think when we get to side two, um, Although I definitely think it, it has its strong moments, it starts blending together a little bit, and I think part of the reason for that is that we were really aiming for a particular sound more than we were trying to do. You know, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, where every song is completely different. So we really were trying to to kind of go for this particular sound. But then by the time, you, but when you do that, by the time you get to track seven, eight, and nine of a record, um, it starts feeling a little samey. And I think that's what we're getting to, especially when we get to tracks, you know, eight and nine, we're, we're getting a little bit of, of that maybe in your experiencing some ear fatigue. I, I mean, I know, I know I, you know, I, I wrote half the songs and I'm, and I would experience the same thing, you know, for sure. So that, I think that's fair. I think that's so to ease your, to ease you a little bit, Sam, it's, I think what you're saying is fair. Good but to know. Same- and- but same time though, like yes, so like for me, like opportunities and get the money, which we're about to talk to in a second, are the low points in this album for me. But at the same time, saying that all those low points, this is still better than like ninety percent of the crap that we'll hear in the radio right now. <laughs> well, so I just want to say that. I just want to say that. 
<laughs> and it's true. It does remind me. Oh, go, go ahead, Aaron. No, go ahead. I'm done. It does remind me. Um, I was listening to an interview from Aaron Sprinkle one time, and he said, "You know, we only pit ten songs on a record so that you don't feel cheated when you're buying." Um, he's like, most of the time we make like five good songs, and then we fill the rest up so that the buyer feels like they're getting their money's worth. Yeah, there's there's something yeah, uh, you know, I I don't think we need I think we're in a day and age where we don't need to do that anymore and I'm I'm certainly not. You know, there's um I you know, I it's interesting because when you go back and listen to some of the classic records of our of our of our, you know, of all these different genres and ages and eras, you know, you see you know, you see uh, you know, gosh, Pink Floyd wish wish you were here is five songs, right? And so there's there's um we, I, I think Aaron's right in that we got to this, like who, who, who said there has to be 10 songs on a record or, you know, when you listen to pop songs, you, know, you listen to a Beyonce album, why does she have 20 songs on it? You know, and, and why do we feel cheated if there's only, you know, six songs on a record, you know? And so um, I think that's where to me, it's, I just want to hear what the artists wanted to do. So if that was five songs, if it was 20 songs, um, let's have it, let's do it. You know, I don't think there's any rules. There shouldn't be rules when it comes to that. But I and I agree, yeah. And but when this album too, like like I was saying, like I, me personally, I'm just rating these songs because it's what I do. It's not to say that any songs are bad. I like listen to this this whole album front to back. No, I don't have any skip. I don't skip anything. I love it. It's just that I'm ranking ranking it because that's what yeah, I when do. You should no, and I'm totally about that. So yeah. Go. Don't hear that any other way, man. I love how you're ranking things because mm-hmm. I rank everything too. And I, I, man, if I have to sit down and rank this record, um, I'm, I'm going to rank it too. You know, a, a record has to be ranked. You're going to love things more than you, than you love other things. <laughs> and I don't hate anything. So that's the, that's the most important. So we'll move on. Get the money. This song sounds like the Pest Mode in U2 War era had a baby. And it's a lovely baby. <laughs> <laughs> More blue collar lyrics from Jason Martin talking about the lack of money and the pursuit of it. Money and acquiring it is a theme in Jason's lyrics and the lives of, of everyone who's listening to this podcast right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I totally wrote that. I'm like, gee, a Jason's song about money. I've never heard this before. <laughs> we'll hear it more, and you're gonna hear it more. Does um, he write a lot about money? I don't. I actually don't know. I don't know that. So yeah. you have to you guys tell me. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. It's the Sagan voice. I mean, the whole album, really. <laughs> All right. Um, this is another composition by the Brothers Martin. Nothing really jumps out to me, but it's wonderfully. It's a wonderfully crafted pop song. Three songs and I'm, three stars. I'm gonna say it's, it's my least favorite song on this album. But again, that doesn't mean I don't like it. I just have to yeah. rank it, and this is my least favorite on it. But I love it. <laughs> All right, Ronnie, give us uh, your thoughts on number nine here. Get the money. Um, I have. I literally right now cannot even remember this song in my head. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember any of the music. Um, I remember him saying the line, get the money, get my money. Yeah. There's a faint, there's a faint sort of rumbling in my mind of how he says that line. 
but I literally cannot remember one other thing about this this song. So I, 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 I don't have any feedback. All right, Sam. No, that's that's fair. Um, I think this song, out of all of them, feels and I like like Aaron said, there aren't any like horrible songs. Um, I can easily listen to this record front to back, enjoy it every time. Um, and I think if this song was thrown on the front end of most any other record, um, it would totally stand out. Like that was cool. As it stands, um, it reminds me a lot of a B-side from Everybody Makes Mistakes. Mm. Um, I can see that. Yeah, and that's kind of what it feels like to me. Um, and yeah, a lot of Jason's lyrics do kind of, and I appreciate this so much about his music. Um, he he talks a lot about blue collar kind of living and you know how much it sucks sometimes just to work yourself to death and see no return it feels like and um as a just you know someone whose dad was a blue collar worker and i'm a mm. pretty much a blue collar worker myself i totally relate to that so Me hard too. sometimes <laughs> yeah that's why we call our po- podcast blue collar love because it's just it's the theme of our lives sometimes yeah um but sadly the the song doesn't particularly stand out i can hear the chorus in my head um but like i said it kind of feels b-sidey and i um would be curious if this was moved to the a side of the record if it would stand out anymore because it's still a really dang good song. And, yeah. Um, it could be. I think that Jason's well, pretty good. Tracking, except when it comes to Leave Here a Stranger, the last song. But normally he's pretty good with tracking. So. That well, last I mean, song is perfect. It has a lot to do with it, doesn't it? That's, that's a really good point. I, I, You know, it's funny because I, I don't remember the song, but I do remember, like I said, when we were talking about Behavior Explains, I do remember Behavior Explains and Get the Money being my least two favorite songs. Even though I, I don't have a, a huge memory, I, I have a better memory of behavior. I have very little memory of Get the Money, but I do remember that, um, yeah, I, th- neither of those were standouts to me. But um, placement kind of matters, you know? And I think, um, yeah, you, you put, you, you bump one of those up to track three or four, and it, 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 it sort of, uh, it, it becomes something different in the listening experience, I would say, you know? Who knows? All right. So that brings us to the last song. I don't know how we should do this. What do you think, Sam? Um, I'll go ahead and start because mine may feel the most negative. Um, (laughs) So let's end this. We like to end our podcasts on a positive note as much as possible. Yeah. Um, You go, Sam, Ronnie, and I'll wrap it up because I think I have positive things to say. (laughs) So... Am I correct in Ronnie that this is uh, your vocals on this song? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I thought so. Um, I, I've noticed the kind of every other track you guys kind of did after track two. Yep. So life on strings. Um, the lyrics seem to be kind of poking at people who live life according to a company or others whims rather than how you choose to live, which given our talks on the punk rock ethos, and living your life according to how you feel you should live as opposed to what other people are telling you. Or as my wife says, you know, um, not everyone fits into a small box. Mm. Don't expect everyone to get in that box because 
some people have lives that just can't fit. Um, so I really appreciate that. The, the music continues the indie rock crossed with kind of the new wave sound of the rest of the album. And to me, this song just doesn't feel like a closing track. Mm. Um, my favorite closing tracks kind of come in two flavors. Um, you either have the big epic, you know, um, like uh, Skyline Drive by uh, On Um Clarity by uh, Jimmy World, you know, it's just ridiculous and big and huge closing track. Or you have the opposite end of the spectrum where it's it's really small and intimate, um, kind of like One Shot Juanita off the Gold album. And this this song just feels too much like everything else to mm. stand out as my closing track on album. So good song, just not my closing track. Yeah, I think that's All right, Ronnie said, Sam. I, yeah, it's uh, I gosh, you know, it, it kind of sparked a memory when you when you said that. Um, I really uh, for just. For something that I compose, I actually this it sounds odd to say it like this, and so forgive me for the um, this sounds li- like a lack of humility, but I I liked this song a lot, um, and I remember um, it had a lot of energy to it. I I think it's I like what you said about it not feeling like a closing song because I I actually agree with that, um, but I liked this song, and I remember when we were, I told Jason just that hey sequence. Once you throw out a, an idea for sequencing the album, you know, because um, I don't want to get into, a, you know, a, an argument over it. But um, why, don't, why don't you just kind of sequence it, show me what you got, and then, um, you know, we can kind of figure it out. But I didn't want to make the first move with sequencing the album because that can be a contentious thing, right, where songs should go. So I said, why don't you just go for it, you know. And so he he put together something that was very similar to what we ended up with. Um, I... I remember, and it's because you said something that triggered this memory, I, he put life on strings far down. And to me, that was one of the big energy kind of, you know, it was one of those ones that I thought should have been a little further up. So I was thinking this should have been on side one. And, um, and he, he just disagreed. And so I just said, okay, well then, yeah, why don't we just, uh, let, let put it where you want to put it then. Um, but we probably could have found something, you know, a little more fitting to close the album with if even a, a, another track altogether. But yeah, so I would agree with Sam that it doesn't feel like a great closing track. I would have liked it a little further up um, because it feels like one of those songs to me. It was very driving. And um, I like the pre-chorus that before it kicks into, you know, repeating the lyrics, Life on Strings. And um, it was kind of, it shared some similarities to some of the work I was doing with Rob at the time for the Foxglove Hunt. So you can hear kind of my influence there with that. And um, it crosses over a little bit to that, I think. But um, yeah, just kind of a song that obviously the final song on a record is, is the most buried song. And, um, and uh, but I, but I, my, my ears kind of bend towards it. I enjoy it. And, uh, but, you know, um, there's something about ending an album on something with that much energy and drive too. That's kind of interesting, but I, I do like a, I like a closer to be a little more introspective and slow and, and sort of um, 
it kind of it, it it's kind of on a on a downslope a little bit, and this is certainly not that. Um, but then the record isn't that either. So I think it, it's it stays in line with the record, which is that there's not a lot of ups and downs. It's it's a very like level record in that sense. So I it definitely fits in with the uh, the mood of the record. But um, yeah, inter- interesting, interesting conversation. Yeah. All right. Well, I disagree with you both. You both are wrong. (laughs) Let me tell you how you guys are wrong. All right. So to me, this song talks about um, people who have strayed away from the faith and have been frozen. Um, Well, hold on. Let me uh, hold on. Let me hold you off on that, uh, Aaron. I don't let me see what I don't know what the lyrics are. Let me um, let me find the lyrics here really quick before you go on before you go on. That's okay. Okay. Um, I'm tr- I'm trying to I got him in front of my eyes. Okay. Um it's uh Yeah, you know what? It's not as it's not as deep as you guys are making it out to be. So I'm just going to I'm going to keep that to myself and let you continue. Okay. Well, it's so like people who have been frozen me um because um because they need to be told about their disease. In my mind that goes to sin disease. Life on strings to me is a life being pull, pulled in a myriad of different directions um, in life, work, children, depression, whatever, et cetera. And so that pulling leaves you frozen because you can't move because you have all, you're on these strings and you can't be moved. But if you were to give those things to God and mm. realize that you're not in control of those things, you can move forward because now you're not on the strings anymore. You're free. And that's the freedom of God. To me. That's good. That's good. I'm gonna roll with that. I'm gonna go with that meaning. <laughs> okay. This song, um, like most of the songs here, like you mentioned earlier, strong new order, joy division influence in them. Um, but it's not like a sound that you're like mimicking. It sounds like you're elevating the sound. Mm. Because like I mentioned the first song, communication, like joy. I think why I never really got into joy division and new order is like, okay. I wish they had more, it was more rocky. Mm. And, and this is, and yes, it's more upbeat than what a closer would be, but there's been plenty of albums that have upbeat closers. I can't think right now. Mm. Um, but I think this is a great closer. Like I'm going through my mind, what would be the better closer? What do you guys would think would be a better closer? It's a great question. Exactly. You can't. This is it. That's why. Um, it's a perfect way. I personally... Okay. If I was to end this album, mm-hmm. I would do. I would pro. I would either end it um, in the two ways. I said either big and bombastic with missionary. Which song? Because I think that's probably the most bombastic song on this album. No, that would be a terrible closer. What's your other option? <laughs> uh, the other option is the the close and intimate kind of sound with the plot weaves. No. <laughs> No, 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 no. Bless your heart, Sam. Bless your heart. This is an insanely good album. No, this is the best closer. There's no other, I, and I went through it too. Like, there's no other song that would be a better closer because the plot that weaves is too upbeat. That's too emotional. That's too much. It's like too much fun or fashion focus. You need the days of Lamech. The plot that weaves is too much. Mm-hmm. You can't end on that. And what's mm-hmm. the other one you said? Um, I, I said missionary because yes. that just feels the most like bombastic yeah, and kind of big to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, you would need a you need to come down, and and I think Life on Strange is the perfect come down, but not like a one shot Juanita, which is a good closer. But sometimes if it's too low and too one notey, it's not good. So I think this is a good good mix of um, it's interject, but not too bombastic, because you don't want to end on such a bombastic. Like the the unlike on the talking voice versus singing voice, we'll get to like the the lo- longest line. That's too high. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're gonna end on that. That's no, we can't end on that. <laughs> so I think this is well, the perfect closer, and it's my seventh favorite song in this album. Three mm, and a half stars. Mm. Well, mm. Aaron, we know from Leave Here, Stranger, you you are not really good with the closing songs. So I I did no well. The universe disagrees. All right, so the terrible closer for Leave Here, Stranger. Ronnie agrees. <laughs> let's 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 pull this all together. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're gonna pull all of this together here. Yeah. My final thoughts. So, um, it's funny. We we we've been doing this podcast for two years, and we both have like different years, rating really? systems. Yeah, oh. almost. Hmm. And so, my rating system is: um, I have three categories: lyrics, music, and how well it holds up overall each with the potential points of three with three being like phenomenal and one being meh and sometimes even zero. So my thoughts on this is, um, this is dance house children all grown up. Um, Oh, so good. Like I, I hear so much of that eighties new wave. Um, and ultimately a mix of the styles of Starflyer and joy, but just in such a, such a kind of 80s new wave sound that it totally sounds unique um just everything goes well together it's super cohesive far more cohesive than i think a lot of people would be convinced is possible um i feel like the only thing holding me back from like just saying this is a perfect album is musically it has near perfect cohesion thematically not so much Mm. i feel like um some of the songs kind of get a bit into a a rut of they sound like a specific sound without giving me anything thematically to hold them together whereas like my favorite starflyer albums like leave here a stranger is all about um dealing with the death of a friend and good memories or old is about dealing with your own mortality, etc. And this doesn't quite have that for me. Um, also, I feel like there's a second album shaped hole at the end of this album, and um, it is begging for a sequel. And I'll leave it here. There, um, lyrics I give a two out of three. Music I give a perfect three. Music is just mm, chef's kiss. Mm. Overall. I give it a two and a half, so a total of seven point five out of nine. Mm. No, I gave my rating six system throughout because it's five star. But then at the end, I do I I acquiesce to Sam's overall. And this album for me is hard because I hate giving perfect marks for albums um, because you know it's just hard. I mean, there's very few perfect albums. But I'm in my mind, I'm like thinking, okay. This came out 2007, like I mentioned. This could work in the 80s or today. So obviously, how it holds up is a three. Um, um, music, since it holds up over time, 
I imagine it's a three. Duh. I don't know. Like the lyrics aren't terrible. Like I, I let's do like even get the money. Like the lyrics aren't terrible. And I'm like, is this a nine? I can't give this a nine. Like I mean, because musically, still like there's those the dead man's land, a no man's land song. So it's like, uh, I don't know, man. Like. <laughs> Do I give this? Do I give this like a eight or nine? It's like, <sighs> if you want to give it a nine, I won't stop you because I was I'm tempted. Go I'm gonna go with an eight. It's an eight. <laughs> it's an eight. I don't know why. It's just I don't know. It's hard to give something a perfect album, but it probably will in another year be nine. But right now it's an eight. <laughs> I think that's fair. All I right. think. Uh, I think what, that's, what are your, your final? No, no, we're you'll you'll if you listen to our other, we're we're pretty honest about songs. <laughs> and you heard Sam, yeah, you've heard we're, we're pretty honest. <laughs> so, what are your final thoughts on this album, Ronnie? You know, gosh, I I don't I don't think about this album often. I don't well, I don't think about much of my work often, if I'm being honest. Um, but I I, you know, I I think this is one of those records. Um, in a very positive way, since you guys said that you like to end end the pods on a positive note, um, you know it's one of those when I when I look back on it and I'm looking at the song titles right now, um, and since we've just talked about it, it's fresh in my mind. Um, I, I feel good about the record. Um, there's some records you listen back to and you only hear mistakes, and or just man, I wish I would have done a different arrangement or used different sounds and. Um, you know, this is one of those records because it was it was a collaboration. Um, I was able to sort of let it go and keep, it's it's been kind of an open handed record for me. I didn't have a neither of us had a big grip around it. And so we approached it very loosely. And I think it's kind of it's kind of kept that place in my heart in a really good way in the sense that I can just listen to it. I can appreciate it for what it was in that particular moment of time and um, and not not just tear it apart and think, Oh, why didn't we do this differently or that differently? Um, so I, in that, on that, you know, uh, on that level, I, I'm pretty happy with it. And I think it holds up because I think the songs largely are, are there. And, um, I, I think, you know, if I could make one criticism, um, I think if we would have spent a little more time on it, um, we could have added a little more diversity to it, but I think we were, we were going for something very specific and um, I think we had, we achieved that uh, for the most part. Um, and so yeah, I look back on it. It was a it was a it was a good recording experience with Jason, and um, and the label uh, Tooth and Nail was incredibly happy with it. And so that that actually those are things people don't know about that are actually make the process of it even more enjoyable. Um, it gets received really well by the label and they, you know, they do some cool things with it. So yeah, good experience. Um, pretty happy with it. Uh, album number two, um, that should be dropping here in a couple of months. So you guys just hang tough for that. Wait, you know? Martin or no, Morales? Joking, guys. Totally joking. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> well, I want to say that, um, I met, well, you probably don't remember you told it, but I met you many years ago i remember the year like 2005 or six in mm -hmm. hagerstown maryland okay a show and it was you're a you're a decent guy and i appreciate well, that you came out with good you weren't a jerk so i appreciate oh, that cool. well good that that's a, that's <laughs> i appreciate that 
You're quarantined, though. Work on Brothers Martin Part 2, please. The world needs it. You know, I, I've just, in my old age, you know, you never say never. You never know what can happen. But, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, thank you so much for your time again tonight. You have been a gentleman, a uh, scholar, an amazing person. So thank you. Um, we've had a blast tonight. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, it was uh, is flattering and it was kind. And uh, I don't have a lot of these conversations these days, so it was really fun. And, uh, and I, I appreciate your uh, encouragement. So it was really it's cool. Kind. You can ask my kids. I'm never kind. I'm always honest. And you can edit this out later, Sam, when we say goodbye. But hey, J Ronnie, next um, family gathering, Julie, Jason, put a bug in the air. Have them come on the show. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll encourage okay. it. All right. Thanks. We appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll talk to you. Right. Good night, Ronnie. Night. All right. And um, once again, my name has been Samuel. And I'm Aaron. Have a good night. Bye. And this has been a Brothers King Media production.